Being told what to do is the best thing you never knew you always wanted. I'll say it again. Sometimes being told what to do is the best thing you never knew you always wanted. So, for example, take my children. Uh, They can be uh, playing together inside the house, uh, sometimes fighting, sometimes playing, sometimes more fighting than playing. And at these points in time, I, uh, I see what's happening and I think to myself, no, what they need best is a bit of space. They need to get outside and play. And so I say, come on, guys, get your shoes on. We're going to the park. Now, it's not a suggestion. Uh, I'm not asking them if they want to come. I'm telling them we're going to the park. And it's not entirely uncommon for my children to respond at this at these times and go, but, Dad, do we have to? Just want to stay home. But I push through. I take them to the park. And what do you know? They have a wonderful time. Now, uh, of, often at night time, as we're around the dinner table, uh, we ask our children, what was the best part of your day? And it's not uncommon on these days for them to say, when we went to the park to play. Uh, At these times, uh, me telling my children what to do, it was the best thing they never knew they always wanted. And it can be at times like this when it comes between us and God. Because God being our God, he has the right to tell us what to do. He commands us to live in certain ways. And when he tells us what to do, sometimes it can be the best thing we never knew we always wanted. Because God's ways are always good. But in our stubborn, rebellious times, we drag our heels, we try and get away with as much as we can, when in actual fact, the demands of God are the best thing for us. God's commands aren't burdensome. They're actually the good life. This morning, we've hit a section in Deuteronomy which is all about God telling the Israelites exactly what they were to do when they went into the promised land. In chapters 12 to 26, there are literally hundreds of commands from God. And it's the best thing that Old Testament Israel never knew they always wanted. Because God's law is good. Now there's lots and lots of details, even in just those 12 verses that Louise read. There's lots and lots of details in how Old Testament Israel were to be obedient to God. Many different situations, many different commands. What are we to make of it all, being New Testament Christians? Well, as we've done each week, let's turn to Christ and see how he makes sense of what we're reading. Uh, So turn with me, please, to Romans 13. Keep a finger in Deuteronomy, but turn to Romans chapter 13. Way back in the, uh, the New Testament. And we'll see how we're to make sense of all the details of all the law of God. So Romans 13, pick it up in verse 8. Verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be, are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbour, therefore love is the fulfilment of the law. All the different laws that we read in Deuteronomy, or as Paul says, whatever other commandment there may be, and there's lots of them in Deuteronomy 12 to 26, all the laws are summed up by love your neighbour as yourself. In other words, there's a shape to the law. The law is not a collection of random ideas. At its heart, the law, 
that God gave the Old Testament Israelites was to shape their lives as people who loved one another. God had loved them, and since uh, the God of the Old Testament Israelites was the God of love, they were then to love each other. And here in Romans 13, the Apostle Paul says that this shape of life in loving one another, that's how we're to live as the people of Christ. But we're not limited now, though, to the few hundred laws of the Old Testament. No, no, no. By the Spirit of God, we've been set free to simply love, to invent ways of loving one another. But look, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's turn back to Deuteronomy and we'll see the shape of the Old Testament law being that of love. Uh, As you're turning back to Deuteronomy, uh, before we look at the detail, though, it is very important that we get clear why Old Testament Israel were to be obedient to all these commands, of which we're going to read some. Uh, Because knowing why you do something can be just as important as doing it. So, for example, if someone tells you to open your mouth as wide as you can because they want to play with some seriously sharp metal objects inside your mouth. Now, why would you do that? I mean, in your right mind, there is no... Why would you open your mouth so that someone could play with... Because they're your dentist? And if you don't do it, they won't be able to tinker around with sharp metal instruments in your mouth and your teeth will rot. Why would you do it? Knowing why you do something can, can be the difference in actually doing it. Why were Old Testament Israel, why were they to obey all these hundreds of commands of their Lord, their God? Well, the answer has been the last three or four weeks. Because of who God is and what he has done. Old Testament Israel, remember, their identity was bound up in God. And in the Exodus, that God had freed them from the slavery of Egypt and freed them out of that to be his people. God had chosen the Israelites out of all the nations of the earth, even despite their wickedness and their sin. He had, in grace, made them his people, loved them and set his affection on them, chosen them to be his privilege. And so out of all the nations, Old Testament Israel had the privilege and the honour of being the people of God, the people of the one true living God. They weren't to be obedient to God to make themselves his people, God's call on the Israelites to obey him wasn't some sort of trial to see if they could be good enough. No, God in love and in grace had already made them his people and so they were to love him with all their heart and all their soul and all their strength. They were to keep all of his commands. So let's have a look at a bit of the detail of the law, what exactly Old Testament Israel was to obey. And remember what we're looking for from Romans 13? We're looking that it should be summed up by... Love your neighbour. Start in uh, chapter 14, Deuteronomy 14. We're right at the end of that chapter. And we're going to pick it up in verse 28. So we're just going to, we haven't got time to look at all the, all the commands, but we're going to look at a bit of a sample, a bit of a selection. And uh, we shall see how, how they shaped Israel's life. Chapter 14, verse 28. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes, that's a tenth, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the aliens, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So every three years, Old Testament Israel was to bring in a tenth of all their produce, bring it into the towns and why? so that the people who don't have food can come and eat, 
So the Levites who have no land of their own, the fatherless, the widows, the aliens, that's just not green men, that's uh, people from other nations who have decided to become Israelites and so they're now part of the people. It's so that they could come and they could eat and be satisfied. It's providing for the vulnerable, the fatherless, the widow. Keep going. Next one, chapter, uh, immediately following, chapter 15, verse 1. Chapter 15, verse 1. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. That's not bad, is it? At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. Keep reading. This is how it is to be done. Every creditor shall cancel the loan he has made to his fellow Israelite. He shall not require payment from his fellow Israelite or brother because the Lord's time for cancelling debts has been proclaimed. Skip down, verse 7. Verse 7. If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Cancel your debts every seven years. You've got someone poor among you, lend them money. It doesn't matter if it's the sixth year and there's only going to be a year to pay it off and there's no way he'll pay it off in a year and that means you're going to lose money, but that's okay because you are to love your neighbour, provide for the poor, generosity to the poor in, in amongst the people of Israel. Every seven years, doesn't matter what the debt is, it gets cancelled because God wants his people to look after the poor, to love their poor neighbour. Okay, chapter 16 now. Uh, skip across verse 18, chapter 16, verse 18. Here's another law. Chapter 16, verse 18. Appoint judges and officials for each of your tribes in every town the Lord your God is giving you, and they shall judge the people fairly. Do not pervert justice or show partiality. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. Follow justice and justice alone, so that you may live and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. Israel would have loved their neighbour by establishing justice. Because you know, well, certainly other countries know better than we do, but even we know that a country that has no justice, a society without justice, that's anarchy, that's chaos, that's extortion. That is a terrible place to live in. But God said to his people, no, 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 love your neighbour, love one another, appoint judges, no bribes, no partiality, no favouritism, justice. Justice in your society, God told his people. They were to love their neighbour by establishing justice. This time, skip a few. Uh, 22, chapter 22, verse 1 to 3. Chapter 22, verse 1. If you see your brother's ox or sheep straying, do not ignore it, but be sure to take it back to him. If your brother does not live near you, or if you do not know who he is, take it home with you and keep it until he comes looking for it. Then give it back to him. Do the same if you find your brother's donkey or his cloak or anything he loses. Do not ignore it. Yeah, it's just beautiful, isn't it? If your brother loses something, well, don't go finders, keepers, weepers, lose. No, what is it? Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Don't, don't, don't run with that line. No, no, no. If you find something that's lost, well, give it back to him. Maybe if he lives too far away or you don't know who it is, well, just keep it until they come looking for it and then give it back to them. It's just this beautiful way of loving your neighbour. That's how Old Testament Israel was to live. Just constantly looking out for each other, not taking advantage of each other, but loving one another. Okay, chapter 23. Last couple of verses of chapter 23. Chapter 23, verse 24. 
If you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat all the grapes you want, but do not put any in your basket. If you enter your neighbor's grain field, you may pick kernels with your hands, but you must not put a sickle to his standing grain. This is lovely. So you're walking through, if you're an Old Testament Israelite, you're walking along and there is a, a vineyard. God says, well, you're allowed to walk in and pick as many grapes as you like with your hands. But don't bring a basket. You know, don't, don't pull up the trailer and fill up your trailer with all the grapes as possible so you're just robbing him blind. No, no, no. Just take as much with your hands and eat as much as you want. So the owner of the vineyard is to let people just walk through his vineyard and pick grapes. But if you're walking through someone's vineyard, you're not to you know, take advantage of him and take it. It's just love your neighbour. Same with the grain field. You can take as much with your hand, but don't bring a harvester. Don't bring a sickle. Don't rob him blind. Just love your neighbour. So there's this lovely generosity and love amongst the people of Old Testament Israel. One more. Chapter 24, verse 19. This one's similar. Chapter 24, verse 19. When you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf... Don't go back to get it. Sorry, verse, uh, verse 19. Don't go back to get it. Leave it for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. It's just lovely, isn't it? There are going to be vulnerable people amongst you, Old Testament Israel. There's going to be the fatherless. There's going to be the widow. There's going to be the alien. So look, if you've got your vineyard or if you've got your field or if you've got your olive trees and you're going to harvest them, don't go and make sure you get absolutely everything. Just harvest it. You're going to leave some and just leave it so that the fatherless, the widow, the alien, they can come and they can take from your crop. Just be generous. Love your neighbour, your poor neighbour. Love the vulnerable. Can you see the character and shape of the law? Lots of detail, lots of different situations. It's very specific, and we're only scraping the surface. You could trawl your way through chapters 12 through to 26, and it's just example after example after example. Old Testament Israel was to love their neighbour. It's a little bit like uh, being in a home, uh, in a house. It might be flatmates, you might live with your family. And in most homes, there's unwritten rules, or they might even be written down if you've got uh, little children. All these rules about how you're meant to you know, function in the house. So all these rules about uh, clean up after you, put your toys away, help clean the table, set the table, help with the washing up, put the rubbish out, sweep the floors, clean the toilet. All these different rules that we have in our houses. But in the end, you could sum it up, couldn't you, by love your family or love your flatmates. Because in the end, what is it about? It's all the different rules are just about hooking in and helping the family or helping the house function. All the different laws, all the different details, all the different situations, all the specific commands in the end can be summed up by simply love your neighbour as yourself. And they're great laws, aren't they? Great laws for Old Testament Israel to live by. And we need to remember that these laws... They are what God was commanding the Old Testament Israelites to do. As we've been reading over Deuteronomy the past few weeks, time and time and again, we've heard God call on Old Testament Israel and he says, walk in my ways, observe my decrees, keep my commands, love me with all of your heart, fear me, serve me with all of your soul and with all of your strength. God is very big that they are to do exactly what he says 
And what we discover here in chapters 12 to 26 is that what God commands his people to do primarily uh, to love one another. That was his chief concern for his people. And for you and I today, we've seen already from Romans chapter 13 that it's exactly the same for you and I. God, one of God's chief demands upon us, his people, as his people in the Lord Jesus, is that we love our neighbour. And the, it's the primary way, it's a primary way in which we are to be obedient to our God. We are to love our neighbour. Now, before we think about some practicalities, before we think about how we can love our neighbour, please remember the past few weeks. Please remember the massive foundation that has been laid down for us as to why we would be obedient to our Lord and our God. We have seen, hopefully, you'll remember, some amazing things, extraordinary things that has been done for us in Christ. Uh, if you recall, uh, back a few weeks ago, we were thinking about how our identity as God's people is found in Christ, that we've already died with him, we've been buried with him, and that Christ is our very life, that Christ is our God, the one who would die for us, who loved us first. The, Christ is the one who set his affection on us in his death in our place. Our God has chosen us. He has saved us. He has, despite our sin and wickedness, made us his people. It is all the work of God in his son taking on flesh that he could die for us. It is in understanding who God is, his son, the Lord Jesus, all that he has done for us. It's in understanding the richness of the Lord Jesus that we are then moved and captivated and compelled and inspired to be obedient to our wonderful Lord and God. And to take our cue from Rome, from a the Old Testament law, and as Paul says in Romans chapter 13, we can sum up all the commands of God that we are to be obedient to simply, we are to love. We're to love our neighbour as ourselves in any and every way. And the possibilities of us doing that are endless. And the sheer number of people that we relate to in any given week can be enormous. And so when you start to think about this, it can be a little bit daunting, a little bit overwhelming. But in it all, we just need to remember it comes down to love. God demands that we simply love whoever we're relating to. So you might be a child at home. And uh, one of the very important ways that God says that you are to love who you live with, if you're a child at home, is that you obey your parents and you do what they say. Or it could be your brothers and sisters and you are to love them and not annoy them, but to actually go out of your way to do what's good for them and what's best for them. Now, we might not be a child at home, uh, but we might be living at home, still, st sorry, living with others, might be family, might be flatmates. And wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great if in our homes there were no rosters? Wouldn't it be great if in our homes there were no chore lists? Because whenever anybody saw something to do, instead of trying to think of whose turn it is or why I shouldn't have to do it, if we just hooked in and did it because we just love the people we're living with. So there'd be no need for to-do lists, rosters, job lists or anything like that. We just, everyone just loved Think about when you are, if you've got a job, if you work. 
If you've got a boss, you'll love your boss. And so you're never lazy. You're always working hard for them. At morning tea, you're not going to run your boss down. You're not going to talk your workmates down. But it's instead, it's helping the other people at work. Or if you are a boss, or if you've got other people that work for you, that work underneath you in some way, you're not going to be mean to them, but out of love, you're going to make sure that they've got everything they need in order to do their job. But it's not just to think about loving our neighbour in the different contexts of life. We're to think about loving others in every different situation of life. So, for example, loving one another is to come home from a hard day at work and instead of thinking that you deserve a break, you actually come home looking for ways to love others. Loving your neighbour is driving down the street and noticing that there's a parked car with its lights still turned on. And so even though you're in a rush somewhere, you do the Yui, you pull up, you knock on the door of the house, you say, look, I'm really sorry, but I've noticed your car's got a bat- uh, your lights still on. I don't want your battery to go flat. It's out of love. It's just wherever you are, it doesn't matter what you're doing, it's always thinking of what's best for the people around me. One way of loving our non-Christian friends and family is to tell them about Christ and how he alone can save them from their sins. And we would tell them about Jesus even when it's awkward or uncomfortable because we love them, because we don't want to see them face the wrath of God. The most loving thing we can do for someone is to tell them about Jesus. Loving one another here in our church family, it's having people into our homes, having people into our lives, it's sharing life and sharing the joys and the struggles of following Christ as we wait for him to come back for us. Loving our uh, church family is to see a need and to volunteer ourselves to fill it. It's to speak graciously and to speak the truth with one another and not in bitterness, not in complaining, but out of a genuine desire to see each other grow in our following of Jesus. Loving one another is to babysit, it's to provide meals, it's to be a listening ear, it's to remind each other of Christ. Love is to admonish one another when one of us is heading down a path that might take us away from Jesus. Our God is the God of detail. Every single minute detail of our life, every moment of every day, every interaction with somebody else, God demands of us that we love the people around us. Love is to be active. To love your neighbour is to have your eyes open. It's to look for ways. It's to invent ways of doing what is best for others. Love's not limited to a few specific situations. Love, it spills out of an ever-present desire to do what's best for others, whoever they are and wherever they are. And friends, I hope you agree that this is just a wonderful way to live, isn't it? I mean, imagine if the world was filled with people who lived like this. Imagine if we lived like this more and more with one another. And please remember why we live this good life of love. It's because God Almighty commands us to. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ demands that we love our neighbour. But friends, we need to be clear. We need to be clear why we love one another. It is not so that we'll make ourselves acceptable to God. We don't love our neighbour to try and earn brownie points with God. Remember last week, we cannot make ourselves acceptable to God. We cannot be good enough for God. We need God to make us acceptable to him. We need him to forgive us of our sins. We obey God because of what he's already done for us in the Lord Jesus. 
So just think again over the last few weeks. Who is your God that you would obey everything he says? Who is he? He's the one who died in your place so you'd be forgiven of all your sins. He's the one who by his grace and kindness and love has saved you from his wrath. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is our very life. He is the almighty God who has loved us and set his affection on us and chosen us and been gracious to us. Even despite our wickedness and sin, he has guaranteed us eternal life, made us his own precious beloved people and only possible through the death and resurrection of Christ in our place. And what our wonderful God demands of us is that we love others. Because at the very heart of our God, the God, is the love of others. Just think of how he has loved you in Christ. And since at his heart is love, since we're his beloved people, then we're the people of love. We're to love our neighbour with our gospel, with our words, with our actions, with our thoughts. Whatever other commandments there may be, they're summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbour as yourself. I'll pray that God will help us to do that. Heavenly Father, we want to praise you first of all for your love. That in Christ Jesus, you have loved us despite our sin. You have forgiven us and made us your own. Set us free from sin and death. Out of the clutches of Satan himself. That we might be free to be your people to belong to you, to have you as our God. Father, it is our heart's desire to obey you, to live your way, because you've made us your own. And we know what a privilege and what an honour that is and how good it is to live your way. And so by your spirit, by your word, transform us, please, that we would be the people who are just like you. We would be people who love Father, please help us to do that, to bring honour and credit to you, our Heavenly Father. Amen.